0: In just a few minutes, I'll have you look with me at the book of Hebrews chapter number 10. So you can go ahead and get your Bible or your iPhone or your tablet, whatever you're using to access the scripture, and you can turn to Hebrews chapter number 10. If I was to say this morning a three-letter acronym that defines who all of us are, it would simply be D-N-A. DNA is the fundamental and distinctive characteristics or qualities of someone or something. It's obvious. We all are made up of DNA. It's fundamental to our makeup. It's distinctive in its characteristics. Each of us are unique from one another, even the most alike, twins, triplets, identical twins, still have their own DNA. He, to many, is one of the lesser known writing prophets. His name is Habakkuk. Now, How many of you have ever heard of Habakkuk? Habakkuk is in that part of the Bible that sometimes we skip over to get to the New Testament. But it is there. It's a small book. It is uh, just nestled between the book of Nahum and the other prophetic writing of Zephaniah. It's only three chapters long. It's not a long book at all. You can read it in one sitting. And yet it is from Habakkuk and then from New Testament scripture as well that I wish to lift a sermon that I will preach to this wonderful church on the DNA of faith. The DNA of faith. Now would be a good time to practice the amen corner. This prophet by the name of Habakkuk prophesied of a coming invasion of Judah by the Babylonians. We know them to be the Babylonians as we look at history. But in Habakkuk's book, they are simply known as the Chaldeans. We do find that this actually occurred in 605 B.C. And so most people feel... That the prophetic book of Habakkuk was written around 607 B.C. And unlike other prophetic books in the Old Testament, Habakkuk is not a book written to other people. Most every other prophet's book is written to a group of people. But Habakkuk's is not like that. It is rather written to God himself. A prophet putting pen to paper or giving words to be recorded and it is a cry of a prophet to his God. We open up the book of Habakkuk in the first chapter and we only get to the second verse before we hear the cry of a heart. "O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. It is absolutely astounding to me that 2600 plus years before you and I would read his words in this worship center he is writing about a culture very similar to ours. He said, I am surrounded by violence, plundering and strife, people at each other, full of contention. And it was according to Habakkuk that he made these very poignant observations. He said, judgment is not going forth. It seems as if evil is winning. He went on to declare that the enemy coming against the people of God is a bitter and a dreadful nation. It gets so desperate in Habakkuk's heart that he asks, "O oh Lord, my God, are you not from everlasting? Can you hear the cry of the heart of Habakkuk, the anguish in this prophet's spirit?" O oh Lord, are you not from everlasting? Are you not on duty? Are you not listening? Are you not aware? He begins to question things like, Lord, why do you permit wickedness to continue even affecting your people? Lord, you, it's, it's strange to me, God, because you are using wicked people to punish those who seem to be righteous. I just don't understand it. It boils up in his spirit until we get to the third chapter and the second verse when this wonderful man of God prays a desperate prayer. Oh Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Can you hear it right now? Can you hear a prophet surrounded by violence, surrounded by strife, surrounded by contention, who is desperately calling out God? We need you to revive something right now. We need you to bring something to life in this time right now, in the midst of the years, right now where we are at in our reality. Make it known. And God, I remind you of your mercy. I remind you that your mercy endures forever. You're going to be upset for a while and wink at ignorance once, but you are a merciful God. I'm asking you to show up in your mercy. Minister in your mercy. Come down in the midst of our reality right now. Now, it is at this point that we will seemingly make a hard right turn into the New Testament book of Hebrews. It will perhaps seem disjointed to leave Habakkuk in his anguish and turn right into the book of Hebrews. People who for generations had been dutifully keeping the law of Moses, but now through Jesus Christ and his atoning death on Calvary are learning to lean into God's grace. Living not simply by rote repetition of some sacrificial system, but rather living by something so much stronger. Would you look at what the Hebrew writer says, Paul writing to the Hebrews in chapter 10 and verse 36. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise Now, I'm the kind of guy, you have to understand how my brain works, which is a little unusual at times, but I'm just thankful it still works. But every time I see words like the promise, it kind of jumps off the page at me. And I start thinking, where is the promise? What is the promise? You know God doesn't just arbitrarily say to someone write down the word promise and you know it's kind of like pinky promise or you know whatever promises you made as a child or I promise I won't raise taxes or something foolish like that what's the promise because Paul says you need endurance people of God you've done the will of God but You need endurance if you're going to receive the promise. And I got to looking at it and studying it and researching it. And the promise that Paul is referring to in Hebrews 10 is a direct reference to what God spoke to Habakkuk in his prophetic writing. He said, you need endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. And it is in the next two verses that we see a direct mention of what God told Habakkuk many years before when he was surrounded by contention and he was surrounded by violence and strife when he said this, for yet a little while and he who is coming will come and he will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Verse 39, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition. That means eternal punishment or damnation. But of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now, if you understand the Bible, you will come to find that verses and chapters were entered into Scripture many, many years after it was originally given. And so we may put a period at the end of verse 39 and say, well, that's the end of that chapter. New subject in chapter number 11. It's actually the same subject. Because the 11th chapter opens up in verse number 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things that are not seen. Let me tell you the battle that's going on in the world today. It is not a battle simply for flesh and blood, but it is a battle for our faith. What the enemy is attacking more than ever before is not flesh and blood, but he's attacking our faith. We look around and we see contention and strife and violence. And we may lift up our voice like Habakkuk and say, Oh Lord, today would be a great day for the rapture. I'm ready to get up out of this place. Are you even listening to the cry of your people? There is one remedy when we are overwhelmed by contention and overwhelmed by strife in our culture. And that is to anchor our faith to something that is stronger than we are. Oh, I'm going to declare it. I'm going to speak it over this congregation. I will not let go of my faith. I will not let go of my faith. I will not let go of my faith. I anchor to God. Can you say amen? Now, this is such a crucial truth that we must understand this morning. Everybody listen. I'm not going to preach a long time, I don't think, but please Resist the urge to be distracted right now. If we choose Christ, the very Christian life itself, which is denying my way and following Jesus, listen, is rooted in me not having all the answers. That is so good, Michael. I'm going to say it again. The Christian life in its essence, living for him, walking after his way, following his word, is rooted in me not having all the answers. But it's not enough for me just not to have all the answers. I choose, who I feel like I'm going to blow up today. I choose to believe that God does have the answer. And he will answer in his time. I don't know how much I'm going to get through this sermon. Honey, you can trust God. I may not have the answer. You may not have the answer. Your best friend may not have the answer. Social media won't have the answer. A book won't have the answer. But there is a God that has the answer. And I believe that he knows it and he will answer in his time. He will answer in his time. Faith is the acceptance of God's purpose and God's plan. Did you get that? Faith is the acceptance of God's purpose and his plan. I am so grateful this morning That when God speaks, we don't have to have all the answers. He said, Habakkuk, hey, listen, I need you to hear this, Habakkuk. I want you to get this in your spirit, Habakkuk. I want you to nail it down in your spirit, Habakkuk. You need to know this. You can't let go of this. I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to tell you clearly, chapter 2 and verse number 3, for the vision, Habakkuk, is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries Wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not delay. I'm going to give you revelation. I'm going to bring the vision to pass. It will come to pass. It will not delay, though it takes a while. Don't give up. It's coming around the corner. Rest assured, if God is in control, he knows what we have need of. It's coming, honey. It's coming, honey. We have to believe that's what living for God is all about. I'm preaching about the DNA of faith. Everybody say the DNA of faith. Numbers 23, God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said it, hallelujah, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Proverbs 30 and verse five, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. There's something about when God says it, that settles it. When God declares it, that means it will come to pass. You can anchor to that, and I choose to believe woo! I won't just preach to this church right now we got two options here the Bible says in two different places in the last days perilous times shall come men shall be lovers of their own, own selves violence all sorts of debauchery happening that that's what the Bible says is gonna happen in the last day But I'm so thankful that's not the only thing the Bible says is gonna happen in the last day. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters are gonna prophesy. And your old men are gonna dream dreams. And your young men are gonna see visions. That means in the last days, brother Andre, it's gonna get good in revival. It's gonna get good in outpouring. There is coming a tidal wave of anointing. I believe it I believe it I believe it I'm gonna act like I believe it I'm gonna plan like I believe it I'm gonna plan like I trust in that it's faith it's the acceptance of God's purpose and God's plan according to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 4 when he was tempted by the devil Jesus declared the words revealed to Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3 man does not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds out of the mouth of God. This is a direct reference to manna in the Old Testament falling from heaven. We don't have anything to eat, and God miraculously said, I'll let manna, I'll let seeds fall to the ground. You can take that manna and make bread. I'm going to give you Heavenly nutrition. I'm going to give you something from heaven that you couldn't do on your own ability, and you're going to be able to live because of that manna, that word, that sustenance that I bring from heaven. Oh, I feel like preaching. I felt like preaching all morning. Let me tell you something when we get in the middle of a mess, sometimes the last thing we need to do is call a little huddle and talk about it amongst our friends. Last thing we need to do is get on that telephone and let me tell you, honey, what's going on in my life. My back has been hurting for three weeks straight. I'm not saying we shouldn't be upset when our back is hurting for three weeks straight. But let me tell you something. That kind of bread is only going to supply right now. We don't live by that kind of bread alone. We live by the bread that comes from the word of God's mouth. What does God's word say about my healing? What does God's word say about my... What does God's word say about my children? What does God's word say about prodigals coming back home? What does God's word say about young people and young adults? What does God's word say? I can live by that word. I can live by that word. Praise God. Slap someone and say amen or oh me, one of the two. Habakkuk, the vision is for an appointed time, but mark it down, prophet, it's gonna to come to pass. You'll see clear at the appointed time. God will speak and he will not lie. Though it seems the answer is taking a while, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. If you're waiting for God to speak to you, he's speaking right now, brothers and sisters. If you have heard God say he's gonna do something, wait for it. Hang in there, batten down the hatches, square your shoulders back, wait for it. It might seem like it's taken a while, but it will come. Faith says God's got it and he has a plan. Faith says God's in control and he will bring it to pass. You see, this assurance is more than wishful thinking. Paul said it is substance, and it is evidence of things that we haven't seen yet. By this thing called faith, the scripture says in in Hebrews 11 and 2, the elders obtained a good report. By faith, not just by their actions. Now they acted in faith, but it was by their faith, their belief in God. Abel offered a sacrifice. Enoch walked with an invisible God and pleased him. Noah built an ark. Sarah, through the faith that she had, had a baby in old age, and this was her testimony. She judged him faithful, who promised from heaven. Abraham heard God say, get up and head out to a land that I will show you. His faith in God was all he needed. And the scripture says it was accounted to him for righteousness. The elders obtained a good report because of their faith. Do you know what qualifies you and me for having a good report card today before God? Our faith. Our belief that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That is the faith that gives us that good report. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Now, I want to just help us. Before I, f- I quit today, I want to help us with two very simple things. But I think it's going it's to find a landing place. Here we go. Number one. Everybody put one finger up say number one. Everyone has been given a measure of faith. I wish there was a way, it's not possible, but I wish there was a way that I could set this pulpit up in front of each of you right now. Brody, measure of faith. Liam, measure of faith. Corey, measure of faith. Brother Shirley, measure of faith. I had someone tell me one time, they said, man, Pastor, when you were preaching, I felt like the pulpit was set set up right in front of me. You were just preaching to me. Now now you know the dream that I have. I'd like to set it up right in front of each of you. (laughs) And I want you to get this. If you're 12, you've been given a measure of faith. If you're a chronic backslider, you have a measure of faith. If you are a seasoned saint serving the Lord for decades, you have a measure of faith. To every person has been given a measure of faith. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. You have today what is necessary to hang on. you got it today sir you have it today you have been given a measure God has graciously given a measure of faith we all have it you don't have to have the right last name you don't have to have a giving record this long in a church every one of us has been given a measure of faith I wish you would encourage someone right now look at him and say you got it you got it you got it hey You've got faith today. He said in his word, he's given a measure of faith. Number two, wow, that went quick. There's only two points today. (laughs) By the way, we were at camp meeting, Darren, I'm going to tell on you, we were at camp meeting and Brother Jimmy Tony preached on the four hallelujahs. Brother Darren texted me after the camp meeting service and said, that's a four-point sermon, Pastor. (laughs) Those are good, too. Well, you know what? I've been in church work long enough to know most people in the church come on Sunday hoping instead of four, it's two. Because there's a pot roast in the crock pot we got to get to, Pastor. He's given to everyone a measure of faith. Number two, faith is meant to be exercised. Faith is not meant to just hang on to. But faith can grow if it is properly exercised. Peter declared it boldly and we must add to our faith. It's very clear in the New Testament. You add to your faith virtue. You do something with faith. James wrote in his New Testament book in James 2 and 17 and said, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. You got to do something with your faith. Faith is not a mental assent, but it's a belief in God and His Word enough to act on it. Thank you, Brother Zach, for that hand wave back there. I was praying in the early years of our church, and at that time we hadn't seen. In my estimation, a lot of people water baptize, And I, I, I look in Scripture and see that you're supposed to go into all the world and preach and baptize. So I felt like that's part of what we're supposed to be doing is teaching people to the point that they're ready for baptism. And so our, our waters of baptism hadn't been troubled as far as I was concerned enough. And I was kind of crying and bemoaning it to the Lord. Lord, we need more people baptized. We've got to have more people baptized at this church. And the Lord spoke to me. Ooh, it's powerful. Now, he may speak to you in some dramatic way all the time. And if he does, I'm jealous. Man, I'd like to hear it sometime. You know, if he shows up and the first half is in another language and then he writes the second half on the wall and sends an angel to interpret a word. I got friends, I got a lot of friends, and man, when God speaks, at least they tell, tell it like this, God's dramatic. He's always waking them up in the middle of the night. God just lets me sleep. (laughs) See, some of y'all right now are going, oh, I can identify with that right there. I mean, every once in a while he'll give me a thought in the middle of the night. But God spoke to me when I was moaning about people not being baptized. And he said, Tim, I'm going to tell you how you get more people baptized. I am ready. Karen, I am ready. I said, bring it on, God. Speak a word into my spirit right now. He said, you want more people baptized? I'm going to give you the formula. Yes, Lord, speak to me. And God said, put water in the tank. Now, see, some of you are waiting for the rest of that sentence. That's it, period. That's just all he said to me. Put water in the tank. I said, really? you got more P.S., you know? He said, no, that, that's, that's where you, you start right there. Because if you believe that in the last days I'm going to pour out my spirit of all flesh, then your actions ought to show that you believe that. And so the first thing you need to do is put water in the tank. Now, somewhere between here in the North Pole and the South Pole, I've heard pastors say, well, that's expensive. Water's expensive. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question, Pastor. Do you want people baptized or not? So the water bill's a little higher? What about eternity? So I decided, Pastor, right, we're going to put water in the tank. Guess what? Guess what? I'm just going to show you here. There's water. You say, well, why is there water? There's water because this is a church, and they got a baptist. They're supposed to have water. No, no. Well, have water in the tank because I believe that what God says. Time out. I got to run. Sorry. I got to run in anticipation. I believe, young people, that there's going to be a lot of teenagers baptized in that tank. I believe, elders, there's going to be a lot of elders baptized in that tank. I believe, so I obey, I act. I'm talking about the DNA of faith. We exercise our faith. You want faith to grow? Exercise that faith. Act upon that. Amen. We walk by faith. We live by faith. We pray in faith. We trust in God by faith. We exercise our faith. Brother Dennis, you can come to the keyboard and play something. I'll finish with this, in Matthew chapter number 14. Jesus has just fed the 5,000 plus women and children. Dramatic miracle. And look at verse 22 of, of Matthew chapter 14. They'll put it on the screen. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side he didn't even let him kind of enjoy the moment like just miracles Wow get in the boat <laughs> well he sent the multitudes away I mean can, can you see they're probably going well, wait a minute can we not like talk a little bit and kind of rejoice in the moment here a little bit and I said no get in the boat and he sent the multitudes away so they get in the boat and Jesus goes away to pray By himself on the mountain. And the Bible says in verse 23, when the evening came he was alone there. 24, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea. Tossed by the waves. For the wind was contrary. Anybody ever been there in your life? When the winds of adversity are blowing and it's contrary to what you thought was going to happen. In the fourth watch of the night, Which if you understand the the Jewish clock, evening began at 6 p.m. And there were four watches, 6 to 9, first watch, 9 to 12, second watch, midnight to 3, third watch, 3 to 6, fourth watch. So it is somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. And Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. Yeah, it's not something you see every day. Saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. That's kind of a strange thing to say in the midst of all that's going on. Be happy. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now do you see what's happening here? He's trying to change their perspective of what they are viewing and get it off of the environment and get it on him. He couldn't say be of good cheer. The waves are are tall and the wind is contrary. Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now, if you ever feel like you have not quite enough influence, look at verse 28. This is going to make you feel better. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, time out. Did you catch that? Jesus has just said, it's me. And Peter follows that up with, if it's you, I'm going to wait for some of y'all to catch up right now. The miracle worker is walking on the water. Hey, it's Jesus. Peter says, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Peter's still trying to figure out if that's actually Jesus. I don't know if my faith is enough to believe that he is who he says he is. And the only way I'm going to know that he is who he says he is is if he asks me to obey him. If that's you, Jesus, bid me come onto the water to you. And I can see all the other disciples saying, do what? Bid you come on the water? Who do you think you are? And Jesus gives a one-word command, come! Now, if he didn't think he was him when he said he was him, he's got to believe now that he is who he said he was because now he's asking him to exercise that faith. Kind of like that guy, Nick Walenda. But he didn't have a bar. (laughs) He's walking on the water. But you know what? I had an aha moment. Peter didn't actually walk on water. Well, yeah, he did. But he walked on faith. You are who you say you are and I'm gonna show it by my actions. I'm getting a hold of this thing called faith and it can help me go places I never thought I could ever go. Brothers and sisters, if you and I'll catch this today, this can revolutionize our life, the DNA of faith. I want you to stand with me, please. Goodness, I feel the presence of the Lord in here praise God can I can I have the privilege of praying over everybody in this house whether you're a guest a member you come here a long time this is your first time here you coming forward and us praying together doesn't mean anything other than you're just saying hey I'm willing to pray together can I ask you just to come from the risers from the sections would you come and just fill up this altar here right now come on come on fill up this altar Come on, members, guests, first-time guests, guests of families. Come on and join us right here. Would you do that? Can you come with me? Can I pray over you today? Praise God. Come on, just step out from where you are. Just step out from where you are. Praise God. Habakkuk got just about done with his prophetic writing and I can see it's not said like this in the Bible but it's as though he draws a line in the sand he's surrounded by strife and contention and trouble he thinks that deliverance is not coming but he finally gets it through his head that's a walk of faith and here's what he says right at the close of the book of Habakkuk Habakkuk 3 and 17, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. He said salvation hasn't come yet but I'm gonna joy in the fact salvation is coming it's coming the Lord God is my strength he will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high hills New Life Church when we don't have the answers we know the one who does have the answers when we can't see the way I know the one who declared that he is the way, he doesn't just know what the way is, he is the way. Sometimes worship is the greatest act of faith, oh yes it is. Because you know what, we can talk about this, and I I won't teach on this right now, but praise and worship, we use those words interchangeably, but you know most of the time praise is intertwined with thanksgiving. Because we see him work and we thank him for it and it produces praise. So we praise him because of something he has done. But worship is intertwined with submission. And we worship him for who he is. Are you getting this right now? We worship him for who he is and what we know he knows and what we know he can do. And we submit to that so the greatest act sometimes we could ever do is to lift up our hands to the Lord and say Lord you're good you're faithful I'm not coming to this altar to ask one thing of you I'm coming to worship you as the great God and Savior you're the one that's bringing answers you're the one that will provide for me whether it's happened yet or not I'm gonna worship you, Lord i'm going to praise you do you feel that worship coming up in your spirit right now come on let's worship him by faith right now come on lift up your voice with me right now lift up your heart with me right now lift up your spirit with me right now let's worship god in faith let's worship god in faith with faith that he's going to come through there is going to be an appointed time It will not delay. He will bring it to pass. Maybe you want to worship God with somebody together right now. Come on, let's let there be a pleasant look in our spirit right now. Let's let there be a joy in our hearts. Oh, everything I don't have answers for, I've got you for, Lord. When answers are not enough, I've got you, Jesus. I worship you. I submit to your knowledge and your timing and your appointed time. I worship you today, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I worship you for being my savior. I worship you for being my God. I worship you for being my creator. I worship you for being my prayer answering God. I worship you for being the one that revives and the one that restores. The one that sets free and delivers and heals, Lord. I worship you for that, Lord. That's who you are, God. That's who you are, Lord Jesus. Let us get this today. Let us get this today, Lord. Let us understand this today, Lord. Let us walk this out, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the measure of faith you've given to us. Let us exercise that faith this week, Lord. Let us act on that faith. Let us walk in faith, Lord. Let us worship. God, I pray that somebody's prayer life will change this week to where it won't be begging anymore, but it'll be praising and worshiping you. Woo! Worshiping you in advance, Lord. Walking in faith, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. We accept your plan and your purpose, Lord. We accept your plan and your purpose, Lord. We accept it. We accept it. We accept it. We submit to that, Lord. We submit to that, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I feel better today because of the word of God. I feel like I've been strengthened today because of God's word. Let me, let me encourage you to do something that I ask our, our, our sanctuary class here this morning. Let's let the word that God has given to us live on this week. Say, so how do you do that pastor? By communicating it to somebody. When you're at home talking about the word with your family. Uh, you're, you're talking to your kids, your grandkids. You can make it applicable to their age. It doesn't have to be high and flutant and be theological if they're a young child. But just communicating the word, letting the word live on after this sermon. That's God's intention for his word. It's a living word. It's quick, it's powerful. Let's let it, how many will do that this week? How many will say, Pastor, I'll let the word live on in some form, some fashion in my prayer life, but then even talking to people, people that I love. Amen. I'm so thankful you were here today. I thank God. Jesus, thank you for meeting us today. Thank you for your help today in this service. God, I pray that if there are those who are, just kind of right on the fence of taking that next step of being water baptized, God. Let let this be the week. Let this be the week, God. It can happen right now. We can act. We can exercise our faith, Lord, in Jesus' name. If there's those who are reigniting a walk with you, reigniting a prayer life, Lord, or maybe somebody that's just investigating what it means to be a Christian, I pray that you'd let them walk and us all walk in faith, Lord. Capture the glory of that in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.